Sir, 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 can I please explain what happened? A good story takes us on a journey. It reminds us of where we've been and shows us where we could go. A good story makes us feel and inspires us to act. Welcome to the Good Story Podcast, where everyday stories that make you laugh, cry, or feel slightly uncomfortable will leave you inspired as Kirsten King tells true stories and teaches truth. Kenny and I left the house a little later than we wanted to one day as we were headed out of town to go watch one of our kids play in a tournament. I don't remember whose fault that was. It doesn't really matter because that's not even the point of the story. I mean, finding fault is, it's just not finding fault with that one portion of the story. So we left the house late. We started driving out of town. Kenny was driving. Of the two of us, let's see, how can I say this? Of the two of us, when we're running late and we're going to drive somewhere, if we want to make it on time, I might be the better choice behind the wheel. However, Kenny is likely the better driver. And by likely, I mean to some extent he is. And and by to some extent, I mean, I'm not a horrible driver. He is a way better driver than I am. I have caused no accidents. I mean, I've hit stuff, but nobody was injured. Once, as I shared in an earlier podcast, I hit a cat, but I think he was fine. He wasn't up under my, stuck in my engine as I thought. Once I backed into a lady because I hadn't taken time to clear off my back windshield and it was covered in snow. I started to pull out to merge onto a road, and then I saw, oh, I don't have enough time to do this, and it was a really busy road, so I glanced quickly in my rearview mirror, forgetting that I'd never cleared off the window and saw nothing behind me, so I threw my car in reverse and backed up quickly right into the front bumper of the woman who was sitting in shock behind me. I felt badly for her. She called me later to say that her bumper just popped right back out so that there was no damage and not to worry about it. I did sympathize with her, and I sympathized with her very much so when a similar thing happened to me. I was in my car in line at the drive through bank. There was a woman in a large van in front of me doing her bank business. Apparently, at some point, the bank teller told her that whatever she was trying to do in the drive through lane, she could only do by coming into the bank and sitting with a personal banker, which made this lady in the van very unhappy, mad even, which I kind of get. She was going to teach this teller a lesson and leave in a huff. Unfortunately, instead of putting her car in drive, she put it in reverse, stepped in the gas, and hit me with some force. First thing out of my mouth was, are you kidding me right now? So throw it in reverse and hit the person behind you? Who does that? Oh, my gosh. And then I remembered, oh, I did once. So when the woman got out of her van, all shook up, and we exchanged insurance information, which we didn't end up needing either because her hitch hit my license plate and just kind of folded it in half. There really wasn't any damage worth reporting. I just was able to say, hey, no worries. I've done this before. I mean, not in a bank lane. Uh, not quite so forcefully. I'd snow in the back window, actually. But other than that, I did front end someone once. So yeah, that happened. It's funny, isn't it? We have a word rear-ended for accidents, but not front-ended. I think we should. Maybe we don't because it's unlikely to happen. How serendipitous then. (laughs) And not only did I do it to someone, but I had someone do that to me. Okay, so other than front-ending somebody once and running over a large round black rubber disc, those things that you find under large orange barrels in construction zones, like when the orange barrel's gone, it's like this big flat round black thing that you cannot see if you're going too fast in the rain. And you might run over it with your car and it might 
pop up underneath and do a thousand dollars worth of damage before you find out what's happening. Yeah, so that happened. So other than those two things, I'm a pretty good driver and I'm an excellent choice if we need to make up some time. But we went with Kenny that day. And other than suggesting faster routes, I'm usually pretty good about having them drive. And so we were off. We are about 15 minutes down the road and we had to slow down because we were entering a town. This town had just reworked their thoroughfare. It had been down to one lane for months as they rerouted and resurfaced and put in new lights and new signs. It took forever, but it was done, which was so great on so many levels. No longer would we have to putz through here at 30. And then Kenny started slowing down to just that. I felt like that was excessive. I said, look how much bigger and better the street is now. There's no way the speed limit is 30 anymore. In fact, as I think about it, I told him, I'm pretty sure it's 45. I'm not sure why I'm thinking that. Maybe I heard it or I saw it on a sign or something. Although me talking speed limits on newly surfaced roads with my friends is probably highly unlikely. And why would I see a sign on a road untraveled? But these things did not matter to me. What mattered to me was that we were running late. Kenny was driving slowly. And I was positive that the speed limit had to be 45. Now might also be a good time to interject that I cannot tell you how many speeding tickets I've gotten. And Kenny drives buses and limos professionally as a side hustle because first he loves driving. And secondly, he enjoys the extra income that helps us go out to eat at restaurants and he goes on guys trips and stuff. So because of his extra job and also because it's the right thing to do, Kenny is very careful not to speed excessively. He doesn't want a speeding ticket on his record. And he also wants to be able to avoid any big round black rubber discs in the road, which if you were driving slowly, you could see it. <laughs> so here we are on this very short stretch of road and I am nagging and irritating. And I'm saying, I promise it's 45. I will pay the ticket if you get one, which doesn't even make sense, but whatever. So there's no way it is still 30. Seriously, oh my gosh, this feels so slow. Why fix a road if you can't go faster on it? Right now, I am certain that every single one of you listening today have decided that if the opportunity ever came up to go on a road trip with me, you would pass. And I don't blame you. I'd agree with you. I don't even like going on road trips with me sometimes either. So as I'm promising, 45 is the speed limit. I promise you. Kenny started to push a little bit down on the gas pedal, which I want to say is a huge one-off from his normal behavior with me. It's an anomaly. Usually if I'm pestering, he stays the course. I hear myself and then I dial it down. But he said later, he thought when I was promising the 45 mile an hour speed limit, I actually knew, knew something. Nope, I did not. Not then anyway. We both found out the correct speed limit at exactly the same time, however, shortly, shortly thereafter. It was announced to us with a siren and flashing lights coming up behind us. I panicked. I looked at Kenny and started apologizing as profusely as I had been nagging. <gasps> I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Wait, maybe it's not the speed limit. Are our license tabs up today? He said, yeah, they were. I said, oh man, why did I do this? Oh, why did this? Why did you listen to me? Why did I do this? Now we're going to be even later. Ugh! And then the officer approached the driver's door and Kenny unrolled his window and I leaned way over. We were driving a Suburban at the time. There's quite a lot of ground to cover. I leaned way over and I started babbling at the officer. Sir, 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 can I explain what happened? Sir, I'm so sorry. Please don't give him a ticket. This is all my fault. I was like, oh my gosh, go faster, go faster, go faster. I promise you it's 45 now. It has to be 45. There's no way the speed limit is 30. I don't know what I was thinking. I should get the ticket if anybody does. I was so irritating. Can I get a ticket for that? Is that a thing? 
He took Kenny's license, went back to his car and looked it up. He came back with a short speech. Sir, your record is clean and the road is new. So I'm going to give you a warning this time. Ma'am, if I were you, I'd leave the driving to the driver. Kenny thanked him and I thanked him more. Still profuse. I was, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We drove away later than we would have been if Kenny had just gone the speed limit. I felt so bad. Shot myself in the foot there. Before long, we were on the freeway cruising at the posted speed of 70. I looked over at Kenny and said, aren't you thankful I was there to talk him out of your speeding ticket? He laughed, his really big laugh, and then I joined in, pretending I said it just to be funny. A week later, I was out for lunch with a friend at a subway back at home. She and I would clean houses together and eat lunch between our jobs. I saw a group of police officers walk in, and I recognized the one who had gifted Kenny with his warning. While they were in line ordering their sandwiches, I told my friend Melanie the story, and then I said, I don't think he recognizes me, though. And I pointed out, told her which one to look at. So she turned around to see the guy I was talking about in exactly the same time, likely because this officer was telling the exact same story to his fellow officers. All the fellow officers turned to look at me. I waved sheepishly so they wouldn't blame my friend. She confirmed what I knew to be true. Oh, I think he does. <laughs> I've been thinking of the story and thought, perhaps I'll tell it and conclude with a verse in James that says, to him who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. I mean, Kenny could have chosen not to listen to me, although I did promise, and generally speaking, sans that time for sure, I'm a person of my word and can be trusted. I still feel pretty badly about coming in so hot about something so not a big deal. I decided this can't be the best application to the story. Instead, I thought of a number of Proverbs found in chapter 10 and chapter 15. Can I read you just a few? Proverbs 15, verse 2. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge but the mouth of the fool gushes folly. Another translation of the same verse says this, the tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. Ew, but also spot on. The one who is wise, that is the person who has knowledge and then can accurately apply that knowledge to a situation, will of course say wise things. What they say can be trusted and should be heeded. The fool the one without knowledge speaks from what they do not know and gushes out, belches out foolishness. Proverbs 15, 23 says, A person finds joy in giving an apt reply, and how good is a timely word. Where's the joy here? Where's the good here? What is good? Joy comes from the apt reply. What is apt? It's appropriate, saying exactly the right thing. What's good in this verse? A timely word. So we see saying exactly the right thing at exactly the right time. This implies careful thinking about word selection. And that too is mentioned in this chapter. Uh, Proverbs 15, 28 says, The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. This passage does not come with exceptions. Like the writer of this proverb, I'm pretty sure wasn't just thinking when it's time to give advice or wise counsel, or when one is teaching a course, this is the time. This is the time one must think carefully before speaking. In fact, I would venture a guess and say that he absolutely didn't mean that. Those are the times when one is far more likely to weigh their words already. I think the writer of the Proverbs is letting us know that what the godly will say, what the godly mouth will speak, will be carefully thought out all the time. 
Which also reminds me of Proverbs 10.19, which says, Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. What a great warning. Talk less. Avoid sin. Be sensible. That's a great word. In Hebrew, the word is sakal. S-A-W-K-A-L. It means to be prudent. All my youth group girls will resonate with this word. Prudent. It means to be circumspect, like you're thinking through potential consequences. So a call means to wisely understand, have insight, ponder, give attention to. It is sensible. It's wise. It is prudent to keep your mouth shut. That is the opposite of the phrase preaching to the choir right now, right? This is the person preaching to the pew who needs to hear this most. That's me right now. I should be taking notes on myself right now. It is wise to keep your mouth shut, myself. Don't just hear the word now, Kirsten. Do it. How though? First, stop the flow. We shouldn't have speeding tires or speeding tongues. We need to stop and think. We have the self-control available to us through the enabling and empowering Holy Spirit who indwells us and really wants us to respond to his prompting and leading. Second, we need to bathe ourselves in words that are wise. Read the word, pour it into our minds and then our hearts, and then let it overflow from our lips. We need to read it and obey it. We need to not just know it better. We need to do it better. Give heed to what you read. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, that just caught me off. Give heed to what you read. That just kind of caught me off guard. Third, we need to pray as the psalmist did in Psalm 141, verse 3. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. It's a great idea. God setting a guard over our mouths. According to Psalm 139, 4, he knows what we're going to say before we even say it, right? Absolutely. That verse says, before words on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. So here's the deal. Lord, if you see a word coming out, gushing out, belching out, please stop it if it's not wise. And fourth, if we have said a word that is unkind, unfair, untrue, unlovely, repent. Talk to God about it. And if possible, talk to the person you said it to. Hold yourself accountable for what you say and how you say it. James 3 tells us the tongue is difficult to control. We've talked about those passages before. I'm going to close with another verse, and I want to encourage each one of you to pick one of the ones I've read today and meditate on it. Write it down on something and put it somewhere that you'll see it. I'll review them all at the very end to make it a little easier. But before I do that, listen to what Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus. I'm reading Ephesians 4, 25 to 32. Stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we all are parts of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good hard work and then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he's identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of rede redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Amen, right? What a great reminder. So, which verse will you choose? Proverbs 15, 2. The tongue of the wise makes knowledge appealing, but the mouth of a fool belches out foolishness. Proverbs 15, 23, a person finds joy in giving an apt reply and how good is a timely word. 
Proverbs 15, 28. The heart of the godly thinks carefully before speaking, but the mouth of the fool gushes evil. Proverbs 10, 19. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Psalm 141, 3. Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Ephesians 4, 29. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Lord, help us. Help me. Help me to control my tongue. Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart will be pleasing to you because, Lord, you are my rock. You are my redeemer. Lord, would you transform each one of us by renewing our minds and renewing our mouths. Thank you that you are good. Thank you that you can be trusted. And Lord, as you know and you see the words when they're on my tongue, please put a door, set a guard over my lips that I may not speak anything that would bring shame to your name or wouldn't be helpful to build someone else up. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen.